Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio show and podcast featuring your physician hosts, Dr. Tom McGovern and Dr. Chris Stroud. And this is the show where we and our guests will discuss relevant health-related topics and always from an authentically Catholic perspective. Dr. Doctor is brought to you in part by the generous underwriting of our friends at CMF Curo. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.org. Live your Catholic faith in your healthcare with CMF Curo. Today, our guest will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Returning for round two of our series on food is Dr. Dave Usher, a family medicine and bariatric medicine physician from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Today, we will explore the topic of fats, cholesterol, and the myths of the low-fat diet. Yeah, Tom, you might say he's coming back for a second course. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> so, you know, in preparing for this episode, I tried to think of ways that I could express to our listeners why they should be interested in fat. But that's not as easy as it might sound. I mean, we know what fat is. We all do. We all think that it's bad. We generally are concerned with not being or becoming fat. <laughs> uh, we as a culture, I think it's really fair to say we don't like fat, not cosmetically, not socially, not athletically. We, you know, we're, we're pretty anti-fat as a culture. And, you know, if, if we look at our internal data here at Dr. Doctor, we know that shows <laughs> about nutrition. I, I don't mean our weight when I say that. You know. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with this. <laughs> you know, with, we, if we look at our download data on shows about nutrition, uh, they're among the most popular of all of our episodes. Um, so I was thinking you might say that our listeners are starving to know more about oh, the three F's. Oh, keep it coming. Just, just pour it on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Food, fat, and fitness. Those are by far our most popular topics. Um, so, you know, we've all been raised on the mantra, you are what you eat. So if you don't want to be fat, then don't eat fat, right? Maybe. That's what we were taught. Yeah. We're going to talk more about that with our guests, uh, or at least that's what people... Uh, my and your age were taught as kids. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our government gave us that beautiful food pyramid that we're going to dedicate an entire additional episode to just <laughs> talking so. about the, the evils of that pyramid. Um, but we know that being fat is bad and that it's often associated with, you know, bad things like heart disease, stroke, and orthopedic issues, and, and all the myriad problems associated with those problems. We know that but is eating fat associated with being fat? That's the question we've always assumed. Yes, yeah, that's the "you are what you eat" uh, mantra. That you know, I think yeah. our guest is really going to help us maybe reason through that. Um, Around yeah. your house, growing up, did they promote? Did did your parents talk about trying to eat low fat? Tom, is that a thing? I, I, I grew up in the South. We talked about trying to get as much fat into our diet as humanly possible. Um, <laughs> Which might be healthier than what was going on in my house where fat was eliminated and things tasted like, ugh. <laughs> my mother made fried pork chops that had to be registered as personal protection devices. Uh, they were so horrible. <laughs> um, that's another episode. <laughs> you know what? I, I should I should take that back. This this fat thing started late because early on we had a fry baby at home and we were not afraid to use it. Everything <laughs> went in that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we know that exercise is good for us, right? Those are That's on the list of knowns. And we know that exercise burns, so to speak, calories. Um, and so that if, if you exercise, you won't be fat. So if you are fat, it must mean you're just too lazy and you don't exercise enough. Or maybe that's not true, but that's certainly something that's been in our cultural kind of, you know, lexicon for some time. We're going to hear good fats and bad fats. Oh, yes. I mean, David Usher on this episode is going to really help us understand fat, what it is, what it's not. Um, we're going to help listeners understand uh, a really fat list of crazy vocabulary words, you might say, uh, to your point of fatty acids and monounsaturated, polyunsaturated fats and healthy versus unhealthy and cholesterol and, oh, my favorite, plant-based versus animal-based oils. I didn't even know there was such a thing for some time. <laughs> um, and then something that I think means absolutely nothing to most listeners, this omega-3, omega-6 fatty acid. It sounds like code speak for something. Um, but we certainly hear about that in the news a lot. And I know David is going to help us understand that. So I think it's fair to say that our time together in this episode should be 
rich with information. It, it will be rich. And as kind of a teaser, what, what I've learned in researching this topic over the last oh, six months or so is that fat, certain types are probably better for us than we thought. And probably eating more than we thought was healthy is actually healthy. But we'll let Dave tell us the details. Right yeah. now, we're going to go to our medical trivia question of the day in the category is fat heads. Yes, you heard that right. Fat heads. Being called a fat head is taken as an epithet by most people. However, the brain, which is in the head, has the highest concentration of fat of any organ in the body. So your question, should you choose to answer it, is what percent of the brain structure, and we're not counting the water in there, but what percent of brain structure is fat? You're going to have to wait for the answer at the end of the show here on Dr. Doctor, but we'll be back with Dr. Dave Usher on Dr. Doctor after the break. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor with this episode's guest, someone that avid listeners will recognize, Dr. David Usher. Um, he founded Reform Medicine way back in 2011. He's a diplomat of what's called the American Board of Obesity Medicine and the American Board of Family Medicine. He's the medical director for Weight Management Services, uh, the department Mayo and Eau Claire, Wisconsin, somewhere that I spent a fair amount of time in years past. So, David, welcome back to Dr. Doctor. Well, thanks, uh, Tom and Chris. Great to be here. I just for the for the sake of keeping the record clear, I was the former director of medical weight management or weight management services at Mayo, uh, but I left that when I restarted Reform Medicine ten years ago. Ah, so, excellent. Well, thanks for pointing that out to us and to yeah. No worries. I just don't want to confuse anybody and <laughs> cause problems for anyone. Well, uh, you know, I know that our listeners are just waited with uh, waiting with bated breath to talk about fat. I mean, how could they not? <laughs> maybe, maybe if we start off with something simple, and that is to say, help us understand what what really is fat. Well, it's a noun. It's a verb. It's an adjective. Um, uh, medically speaking, or physiologically speaking, it's basically. Um, a glycerol stuck together with a an organic acid, basically, is the, the way you describe it. Um, most all of us uh, think of fat as what we see when we pl pluck it off a chicken breast or trim it off a steak. <laughs> but it, uh, animals have fat. We have fat. Fish have fat. There's fat in plants, uh, believe it or not. And so all those fats kind of have different characteristics and how you eat them and, and what we consume will have different effects on our health. And uh, our body makes certain types of fats in response to how we eat. So it's a really complex thing, actually. Yeah. It's very, uh, unlike carbohydrates, it's a, it's a much more complex topic. Well, along the <laughs> same lines of, of vocabulary, what then are fatty acids? Uh, fatty acids are, so I mentioned organic acids. So fatty acids are those things that um, can be put together with a glycerol, and um, and it creates. If you put three of them together, we call it triglycerides. Oh. Um, but they're part of the the chain of, of processing the fats that we make in the body. Again, that's how what we make and how fast we make them is is a very important part of our health, and uh, what we eat affects that. So free fatty acids are inflammatory uh, mm. when they're in the bloodstream and out they're out kind of doing damage, if you will, to our system. But are some fatty acids are good, right? We have essential fatty acids. What are those? Right. Essential fatty acids are, for example, omega-3 fatty acids, DHA and uh, EFA. Uh, they, these are good things. Essential fatty acids are things in the, what makes them essential, unlike carbohydrates, as we've talked about. What makes these essential is that you're, you have to eat them. You have to consume some of these in your diet every, every so often. Uh, so that your effectively your brain is probably the biggest beneficiary of essential fatty acids. If we don't eat them, we, can't, we can't make them. Some fatty acids we can make in response to oh. um, environmental changes or what we eat, for example. But if we don't eat the essential fatty acids, we just go without. And that's bad for our, our nervous systems, particularly our brains. And there's our two eyes, of those, also. right? Linoleic acid and alpha-linolenic acid. And at least linoleic comes from, acid. comes from plants. Where do we get the other one, the alpha-linolenic acid? 
the alpha linoleic acid EPA, I think of them as fish oils, fat and, and fatty fish like salmon or mackerel or uh, herring, Very good. those kinds of things. Because alpha linoleic is one of those omega-3s that we'll get to later. So what are oils? Oils are uh, fats that are essentially a liquid at room temperature. And so a lot of the oils that you that we know of that sit in our cupboards, for example, are olive oil, corn oil, vegetable oil, canola oil. Um, those will all sit in our cupboards at room temperature and be a liquid. Uh, and they're liquid because of the characteristic of those fatty acids that are part of their makeup. Other oils, such as coconut oil, uh, at room temperature, depending on how warm your room is, they might be liquid and they might be a solid. And then we get to cholesterol. How does that fit in with fats? Is it a fat? Is it related? You know, distant cousin? Yeah, cholesterol is, it's interesting. We, we think of it as being related to fat, but it really is not a fat directly. It's a, it's um, looks more like a steroid. It's kind of this complex uh, mashup of different organic molecules, basically, if you will. And it is kind of the uh, one of those things from which you can make a bunch of stuff, you know, hormones and uh, that from your like estrogen and, and testosterone and cortisone and so on. So why is it when doctors like you order tests, the the test for triglycerides and cholesterol often go together? Well, what we're looking at when we order a cholesterol panel, uh, an HDL cholesterol is, it's a clump of stuff, uh, right? And so uh, the high density, um, light, it's a lipoprotein really. So it's not really a direct measurement of cholesterol per se. We report it out as kind of a cholesterol. Um, and so certain of those lipids have uh, pieces and parts that are good for us and that are protective and then triglycerides, which probably is the single biggest risk indicator in that lipid panel. Uh, triglycerides are are not cholesterol at all. They're, and, and so they report them differently. They call them triglycerides. Now they're part of, or maybe a part of a bigger molecule called VLDL, uh, which ah. is very low density lipoprotein, which doesn't get reported typically on cholesterol panels uh, or very often doesn't get reported. Um, and that all of those numbers get very confusing to the average person because the math doesn't add up. When you say total cholesterol plus HDL plus LDL plus triglycerides, it doesn't equal the total cholesterol. Well, what the heck? So VLDL um, goes up and down very directly with the triglyceride levels and the triglycerides is what typically gets reported out on your doctor's cholesterol mm. report. So we were talking uh, uh, earlier on the show that culturally we all agree fat's a bad thing. So we should probably just eliminate it from our diet because you shouldn't eat a bad thing. So do we need fat? And if we do, what do we need it for? Well, as we've once discussed very, very few minutes ago, fat on the body isn't a good thing. It's a, <laughs> it's a bad thing. Eating fat and fat in the diet is um, actually a necessary thing. It's actually a good thing. It does not stimulate insulin. Insulin leads to high insulin levels leads to all kinds of problems. Fat in the diet will um, generally, and we're not talking about trans fats now, um, but fat in the diet will generally be very satiating. In other words, it'll make us feel full and it'll keep us feeling full for a very long time. Hmm. So uh, fat got kind of demonized in the past because when you burn a pound of fat, you get more than twice the energy as if you burned a pound of sugar, right? And that's where a lot of the, the thought process came from, where they said that, hey, that's really high calorie stuff. And they were basically talking about the energy content of food. And so so fat was thought, it was just thought that, well, fat has lots more calories in it, then maybe that's what we should try to cut back on. Um, but that that's just a little too simplistic. And does it have some effect on our metabolism if we eat a higher percentage of fat in our diet? It has an effect, yes. Does it increase our metabolism as we eat more fat? I would say, I, I generally think of that as being true if we eat more protein. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, um, 
that I've looked at it from that perspective before. Mostly I think of that as protein kind of stimulates protein synthesis and therefore increases our metabolism. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. You may know more about that particular aspect than I do with regard to increasing your metabolism, the fat increasing metabolism. I, I found one study where it talked about people that ate like uh, 50 to 60% fat calories versus 30, and they burned an extra 300 calories a day. And that was in one of those um, confined studies where everybody is just on site and they were eating a very, you know, they're only eating what they're given in the study. So I found that fascinating. Well, I remember you talked to me once offline about the meat sweats, about right. the protein. <laughs> And so I was impressed to find that the, the fat did the same thing. So eating more fat, we actually burn more calories. And I thought that was pretty darn cool. That <laughs> now, is cool. What, what are saturated fats and what's so important about them? That's an interesting question. We hear a lot about saturated and monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. What the saturated refers to is uh, going back to the old organic chemistry days um, from college. Uh, basically is referring to the type of bonds that exist between the carbon molecules inside of the fatty acid. So if you have a saturated fat, there's no place else to put these little hydrogen molecules. They're all, uh, I guess you call them single bonded. Uh, carbons are all single bonded to one another. And so uh, those are, they're kind of real flexible and you can, in, in the cell membranes and in our tissues, that therefore um, they can move around and that's good for our cells to have uh, mobility and flexibility uh, so our cell membranes can move and do the things they need to do. There's a lot of activity going on there. Gosh, so, I'm gonna, I feel like I need to check in with Dr. Kevin Majors for the PTSD flashback I just had to organic chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for that. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to trigger you. <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. That was a rough moment, but I got through it. So unsaturated, poly or mono, good. Uh, saturated, not good. I think simplistically that's fair to say, right? That's um, what we've been told for years and years, right? Yeah. However, but is it true? I would say not true. Ah, not thank true. You. In the yes, so eating so, saturated fat um, is again, it does not stimulate an insulin response. No. Uh, it does not cause uh, heart disease. It does not cause inflammation. It does not cause cellular dysregulation um, or increased glycation. All these other things mm -hmm. that go on to cause disease. And monounsaturated fats generally don't do that. Um, a, a certain amount of polyunsaturated fats may not do that. Omega, what do we call them? Omega sixes. Um, mm -hmm. You got to have some omega sixes. We don't. We've been told to eat lots of those, and that's like the vegetable oils and yeah. uh, seed oils and so forth. And um, and those aren't okay in certain amounts, but too much of those becomes inflammatory also. So for our ah. listeners, let's do a quick side by side and uh, give food examples, you know, of each of those topics because I think they all tend to run together in most of our minds. So what's a what's an example of a saturated fat and and in the diet? Well, you would find saturated fats in uh, meat fat, for example. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what about unsaturated fats? Uh, monounsaturated fats you would also find in meat. Butter mm -hmm. probably you'd find a combination of saturated and monounsaturated fats. Sure. Uh, polyunsaturated would be uh, something you'd find probably in a canola oil or one of the seed oils, for example, yeah. corn okay. oil, something like that. Sure. That's helpful. Thank you. Uh -huh. What would olive oil have in it? Um, olive oil is monounsaturated and polyunsaturated, I believe. Okay. Because I've heard that's supposed to be one of the healthiest oils for you. It is a good one. And then there's the demon on the block, trans fats. What are those? Right. But basically, you can think about uh, Tinker Toys. Uh, right. Yes. And you can set Tinker Toys up. You can use the same components. And depending on how you stick the little sticks in, one might be a mirror image of the other. Right. So if you have a trans fat, uh, uh, an unsaturated fat with a double bond uh, may have uh, be perfectly healthy in one state. But if you treat that chemical or that fat, fatty acid somehow, and flip that so that now it looks like the mirror image of itself. 
mm-hmm. um, that could be harmful and what we call a trans fat. And then the body can't use that well and it causes problems. And you can take certain oils with these polyunsaturated or unsaturated fats. And if you heat them too high, you can convert them from what would have otherwise been a healthy oil into trans fats, which is no longer healthy. And that what does it do to our body? the smoking point is about what I, as I understand it. Hmm. And then what does a trans fat do to your body? Well, trans fats don't work uh, in the way that you would want other fats to work. So they don't fit into cell membranes well and, and behave the way they're supposed to, the way other fatty acids do. And so that causes cellular dysfunction, hmm. among probably other things. So can you explain to us why it's a myth that fats and oils make you gain weight because they contain more calories than carbs and proteins. What's actually going on that they don't necessarily make you gain weight? Well, there's um, there are processes in the system, the things that make you gain weight. When we're talking about gaining weight, we're talking about gaining body fat, right? And so right. subcutaneous fat, there's only a few places you can put fat. You can put fat uh, in the in the fat under your skin, you can put it around the organs in your belly, and then you can put it in places that's not supposed to be really uh, like muscle and liver, uh, or what we would call ectopic fat. So um, in order to get fat into those cells, the body has to have a signal, somebody, somebody to let them in the door. And that signal is what everybody probably has heard of is insulin, mm. right? So in order to kind of get fat, we have to have enough insulin to turn those, to open the, unlock those doors and let those tissues that aren't really supposed to have fat, have fat. And plus as well, some of the cells that are supposed to have fat, have fat. Uh, But that insulin signal does not go up in response to eating fat. It goes up in response to eating carbohydrate. And sometimes if you eat enough, it'll also go up in response to eating protein. So, Dave, is it fair to say that if you eat a lot of carbs with a lot of fat, then the carbs turns up the insulin, which allows the cells to take up the fat and store it better than if you're eating fat with a low amount of carbs? Yeah, I'd qualify the word better. I would say at a higher rate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sure. carbs okay. are what carbs plus fat together are uh, is just a recipe for. Uh, nothing good <laughs> from a health standpoint, right? Okay. So if if fat doesn't eating fat doesn't necessarily make you fat, where did this myth of the low fat dying being healthy come from? Well, I think uh, we have to look back um, before the obesity epidemic started, um, and that and there's lots and lots written on this. But one of the most influential individuals um, that kind of promoted, he's, he's the most um, prominent, I guess is what you'd say, uh, that people kind of generally know about. There uh, was an epidemiologist, um, physiologist back in the 50s who studied this in, in various countries and did a correlation study to just ask people what they ate and then looked at heart disease and so forth. Uh, and the higher the fat diet, it seemed, uh, the more heart disease it seemed that these um, certain countries had compared to others. And they did this. The individual I'm talking about is a guy named Ansel Keys, a controversial figure. You'll find various amounts of supporters and detractors of Ansel Keys on the Internet. Um, but anyway, he did a he did this study and had a lot of influence. He had a very loud, let's say, amplified voice. Uh, he made a better case in front of certain scientific bodies and so on. So he was able to get a lot of research done in this way. And uh, it's, it's a complex history, but um, sugar industry and other places, all of these influences directed all the attention towards fat and really directed the attention away from sugar as the culprit in heart disease. So he kind of started the ball rolling on the high-carb, low-fat diets. In fact, recently, a public health uh, physician at Harvard Medical School, David Ludwig, called the low-fat diet, quote, arguably the biggest public health experiment in U.S. history, and it backfired, unquote. Do you agree with that? Yes. 
<laughs> yes, no, completely I do. There, um, I mean, we're stuck in this COVID pandemic, right? And and there's much we don't know about it. And there, the people who are uh, skeptical of uh, the vaccines and medications and all these things. I mean, everybody's got a, an opinion about things. And um, at that time, we didn't have social media. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have the internet. We had just kind of what the experts, quote unquote, uh, were telling us. And so basically this this idea of the low-fat diet, and I th- there was some influence also uh, when Dwight Eisenhower had a heart attack, that kind of the timing of that oh, brought yes. everybody's attention to, um, gee, what what causes heart attacks? <laughs> uh, and so all of that kind of fused together to get this low-fat thing going. And if you're not able to get many studies done on the effect of sugar because the guy who has promoted this fat hypothesis has been able to kind of funnel all the research money out of the government into the low-fat studies uh, across the universities and so forth, um, then all you have to go with is, well, we've got these here research studies that seem to suggest that that's the problem. And, and that's kind of the way it went. So there, there weren't people online to question him. Well, we're going to come back with some uh, practical advice on what to do as far as your diet and fat goes with Dr. Dave Osher here on Dr. Doc. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor with our guest, Dr. David Usher, a fat expert, one might say. Hey, I'm working on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, I, you know, I've heard it said there's two kinds of people, those who need to lose weight and those who will at some point. Um, <laughs> and so for those of us who are trying to lose weight, do you think it's easier to lose weight on a low fat diet or on a high fat diet? Well, in our experience, and the reason we implement this in our practice is that a high-fat diet makes more sense and is easier to do, And um, but we don't call it a high-fat diet in, the, in that sense because it almost stigmatizes it mm-hmm. uh, and gets uh-huh. people confused. Um, but what it is is a, is a relatively high-fat diet, and what it is is essentially uh, – so let's go – going back to the obesity epidemic – when they came out with uh, the food pyramid and so forth yes. and low-fat low eating, what happened was Americans in general uh, really didn't eat low-fat. They just ate more carbs. They kept their fat and protein the same because the basic requirement <laughs> for those essential fatty acids and essential pro- <laughs> amino acids didn't go away. They had to have those. They just always hungry for those. But they ate more carbs, uh, so it was a relatively low-fat diet, if you like, think of it that way. Um, but in our program, what we'll do is, is take the approach of if you, you keep the fat and the protein essentially the same, because if you eat enough of those, you're not going to be hungry. But what you do taper down is the carbohydrate or the sugars and the starches in the diet, because um, those things you can do away with, because uh, as Chris uh, pointed out, there is no essential carbohydrate. You, you don't have to eat that at all. Your body will make all you need. So if you can trim those carbs down, what you're left with is relatively large amounts of energy from fat and a smaller amount from protein, but way less from carbohydrate. And that kind of flips the the low-fat diet on its head where you eat big amounts of carbohydrate and low amounts of fat. Hmm. The problem with with that, uh, the low-fat approach that most, and probably why people struggle with it, is because carbohydrates are not in and of themselves providing any essential nutrition. Um, carbohydrate is not nutrition. It's a food additive. It gives you a flavor. It makes you addicted. It gives you your jollies. It raises your dopamine. Ooh, yay, I want to have some more of that. But what it doesn't do is provide any essential nutrition. So um, if you take that away, people are going to miss it for a little while. But it's not because they're hungry. It's because they just... It's an emotional response. Uh, so people can kind of get over grief. We, we lose loved ones and, <laughs> and we get over it with time. And the same thing is true with getting rid of carbohydrates or trimming those way down. There is a, I mean, it's an emotional reaction to that. And so people struggle because of that emotional attachment to their carbohydrates. But if you, if you replace it with enough fat and enough protein and tell people not to fear that, whatever you're, whatever you've been told about that, we have, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients data that we can show by doing this 
your blood sugars only get better, your cholesterols mm. get better, your triglycerides, probably the most important lipid number in your cholesterol panel, only gets better. Um, I can't think of any exceptions to that in our patients. So, so Dave, not to confuse listeners at all, but there's so many terms out there. But we're talking about low, very low, maybe carbohydrate, which by definition becomes a higher protein, higher fat relative in relative terms. Right. Is that the same thing as a ketogenic diet? And if not, what would the difference be? Um, it could be the same thing as a ketogenic diet. It depends on how uh, low you uh, trim down your carbohydrates. Uh, okay. At some point, your insulin levels uh, get low enough on a day-to-day basis that, or I want to say hour to hour, but maybe day-to-day basis that your your insulin levels are so low that your uh, body will uh, kick in its most all the tissues in the body, except maybe three little groups, can burn fat, or actually ketones. They burn ketone bodies. And so the body will start breaking down its own fat, which is what, when we're trying to get people to lose weight, they, they're really not trying to lose muscle or bone, they're trying to lose fat. So when they start burning fat, um, ketogenic basically means that you're burning fat and you're producing ketone bodies, and then your body starts using that for fuel instead of uh, blood sugar or glucose. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you get your carbohydrate down low enough and your insulin levels just stay flat, completely baseline levels, then you can't help but go into fat burning mode. Uh, and that's what we call ketogenic. Mm. Well, let's talk about some specific foods, Dave. One that's had a bad rap for years are eggs. Are eggs unhealthy because of their cholesterol? No, eggs are great for you. That has been debunked. I'm proud to say it again now about 20 years ago, um, but uh, eggs are are very, very healthy. They've got essential um, fatty acids in the, all the good nutrition from the egg is in the yolk, uh, frankly. So your healthy uh, fats are in the yolk. The white is albumin or primarily protein. Half the protein is in the yolk, by the way. Um, so when people cut out yolks, they're cutting out half the protein that they're trying to get by eating the egg whites. Uh, but no, eggs are very good for you. And, and then what about the healthiness of vegetable oils? And, you know, here in Indiana, we see fields of corn and soybeans. So I'm thinking corn and soybean oil, then canola oil, whatever canolas are, uh, compared to animal-based fats. Mm-hmm. Um, much is written about that. And um, what I will, I, I'm just thinking in general terms here. Corn and soybean oils are among those things that I try to move my patients away from because they're not uh, particularly good for just about anything. But, you know, and David, hearing you, hearing you say that, if, if you become a label reader, I think um, listeners would be amazed. Corn oil is just in everything, isn't it? Um, corn oil and, and high fructose corn syrup and and and. Corn syrup, generally, yeah, yeah. It, it's all over, right? Yeah. Why are those especially healthy for you? Those oils are inflammatory. Okay. They, they promote inflammation. They're the the con they the the fatty acids involved in there are not um, healthy for you. They're inflammatory. So uh, they'd be one of those things that um, if you had. If you had to pick between butter and corn oil, butter wins every time. But, you know, to be clear, that inflammatory word is strange. We're not talking about something that Tom, as a dermatologist, would treat on the skin. We're talking about inflammation in blood vessels and in the organs uh, with blood vessel damage and plaques and, you know, heart attack and stroke and things like that, correct? Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, thanks. Mm -hmm. Yep. It wouldn't cause mouth sores from putting it in your mouth. It's... (laughs) When you process it through, it creates a situation where your body's making uh, cytokines and inflammatory molecules and and causing blood vessel damage, yeah. Mm. uh, Liver inflammation. Mm. And I understand that healthy oils include olive oil and coconut oil. Would you agree with that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Any other ones that are particularly healthy? Butter. Well, uh, butter's not an oil, I guess, technically, at room temperature. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, butter is uh, another... Uh, very healthy thing. If you if you look con- at um, 
the fat underneath your skin, your subcutaneous fat, it looks like kind of a mashup of biochemically, it looks like butter and olive oil. <laughs> and those, you know, that would be, if you analyze it and laid it out, it would kind of look like that. Wow. I'm looking at it every day when I'm cutting cancers off, Dave. So thanks for that image. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> what about cod liver oil? Oh, that's a really good source of vitamin D. Uh, no, cod liver oil, if you can get people to take it. I haven't done a lot of reading on cod liver oil. I just know it's okay. a really great source of vitamin D. What should we know about omega oils, omega-3 and omega-6? Well, those are, uh, again, they're good for the brain, good for the, well, the eyes technically are central nervous system. So I guess I would say the central nervous system, um, probably good for mood, although I don't know that there are lots of studies to prove that out, but there are a lot of people who think that it is. Uh, so yes, those are, again, they're the essential fatty acids, have to eat some. And uh, some people will take them as supplements because they don't eat a lot of fish, but that tends to be one of the best places to get them. Uh, there might be some in eggs, but I don't think of them as, as the best source for those. But we put all of our people on, we ask them to take fish oil capsules because uh, just in Wisconsin, we just don't get a lot of fatty fish. Everybody likes their walleye and their bluegills. Um, but but those aren't really fatty fish that you that would hold a lot of vitamin D and a lot of uh, mega, omega uh, threes. Now, what if they fry their fish in olive oil? Is that good or bad? That'd be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but but you, know, you do? just don't now, bread them. You put the breading on, and then you, now we're now we're back to carbland. Now we've yeah. come back to yeah, fighting words. But it's it's interesting hearing you say that. You think about uh, the average listener. It's it's much more work to eat well. Uh, it it has to become almost a hobby of sorts to become a label reader. And, and that can be depressing to read the labels because you think there's nothing left that I can eat. I've got to go find the good stuff. The good right. stuff is harder to find and it's more expensive, isn't it? It's, it's so cheap to eat badly. It is in a way, but you can, you, you figure you can, you can pay the farmer now or the doctor later <laughs> <laughs> is the way I would, is the way I would put it. And it really is. It's a, and I, you guys know this. I could talk about this all night, um, but it's countercultural mm. to eat well. You sure. know, we have been so ingrained, um, so to speak, so ingrained in in this <laughs> low, you know, whole grains and all these things that we've been told for years and years. Um, and the, it, so, basically, there's some basic things you can do: shop the edges of the grocery store, stay out of the center aisles where there's no refrigeration. Uh, good food, whole food, unprocessed food, the food that doesn't have much shelf life, that's the stuff you want to eat. <laughs> Everything else that's processed and sitting on a shelf has got uh, stuff added to it or stuff done to it uh, that's going to make it not, not healthy for you. Most often that's added sugar or added starch, but it could be a ton of other stuff as well. Now, in fairness, I, it, we should probably point out, you could eat really good food and eat too much of it and gain weight, right? You would just. Be I'd eating- like to see that study. <laughs> really, just, I would. I would love to see that study. I would love to see um, somebody who goes on a low carb um, and then basically ad lib diet of fat and protein, mm. who actually gains weight. Wow! Um, because people, it's so satisfying to eat a big load of protein uh, and not have to worry about the fat. Uh, and just let people eat ad lib. If you can keep the carbs way down, it'd be right. very hard. I'd love to see. I'd love to see them try. Can, can you recommend a resource that people can look at to say, "Hey, what does that kind of eating look like?" Uh, you, are you asking me if I have a resource for that? Yeah, for no, listeners. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I refer, and I don't have any interest in this um, financial or whatever, but we refer a lot of our folks. Uh, in the, this is just my family practice clinic, frankly, to kind of give them the idea is there's a, a website called Diet Doctor. And uh, that is run by uh, a, a doctor, actor, Andres Ianfeldt. Uh, I think he's in Sweden. And uh, it's basically all about low carb eating. And he's had, has tons of resources on there, recipes and um, 
health information. So, you know, why it is that salt isn't really the driver of high blood pressure. It's your mm. sugar and starch and how that and simple. It's written for, for lay people. It's got lots of pictures. It's really easy. He's got scientific references in there. So if you mm. read something and you think that's bunk and you can go click on the little uh, footnote and it'll pull up the New England Journal article for you where they where they talk about these things. Um, so it's, I've never run into anything on there that I disagree with. So I feel real comfortable sending my patients to that. They can access it anywhere and they don't need a membership. They can buy memberships, but they don't have to. But and to again, your I don't earlier, have any financial interest in this. I just use it a lot. I'm a member yeah. actually. I mean, to your earlier point, it's interesting though. You're saying you'd like to see that study, but I'm, I think I'm hearing you say people generally wouldn't overeat because the protein and the fat are satiating unlike the carbohydrates where you just Precisely. want more donuts, more donuts, more donuts. Yeah. You'll, you'll get your fill, so to speak, of a protein and, and fat and slow down. Right. In the obesity world, one of the approaches to dieting, um, if you don't want to be a, you know, a low carb guy or a low fat guy, uh, one approach is what we call nutrient sequencing. And basically what you have people do is eat their proteins first and then they eat their vegetables second. Mm. And then if they're going to eat any um, kind of processed carbs or sugary or dessert things or whatever, that would come last. Mm. Oh. Um, but you always what's get the your theory? They always get your proteins first. And what's the theory behind doing that? Um, well, proteins tend to come with some fat as well. Um, but mm -hmm. basically the idea is the thing that's going to be most satiating for you is uh, the protein and the fat, mm. uh, they tend to run together. And so if you uh, have that big chunk of meat first, um, by the time you get around to, and then you eat the next thing, and then you eat that next thing, by the time you get to that last thing, your, your kind of stomach brain connection will have kicked in uh. and your brain will begin to realize um, your uh, I guess it's your ghrelin levels will drop and your leptin levels will go up and you're, you'll feel satisfied and you're less likely to overeat. You have to be mindful uh, about your eating, of course, because you have to go into it with that approach. Like I'm not going to eat a big, huge whopping dessert over here. I'm, I have to go into it knowing that if I'm not real hungry, I'm not going to scarf all this down. Um, but if that's, if that's your approach, then you can get to the dessert time and you might just go, well, I'll have that tomorrow at sure. the end of my nutrient sequenced meal. Cause I'm just not, at the least bit hungry for it right now. You know, Dave, oh. on, a, on a related topic, um, dairy uh, as a whole, I think about fat and I think about uh, whole milk from some of the Amish farms here in Northeastern Indiana. But um, talk to us a little bit about dairy in general and milk uh, in particular. Uh, dairy fat is very good for us. Uh, it gives us the odd chained uh, fatty acids, which are, which are not inflammatory. They're, they're healthy for us. Um, so uh, whole milk, if you're going to drink milk, whole milk is probably the healthiest thing to drink. Milk, when you um, see the different colored caps, right? There's skim and 1% and 2% mm -hmm. whole milk. Whole milk is 4% milk fat. So um, whole milk is that yummy, thicker stuff. Uh, and skim milk is the stuff that looks like colored water. This is what my kids say. <laughs> so, yes. So, um, but each of those varies only in its fat, uh, fat content, not in its sugar content. So there's um, basically each cup of milk has about 12 grams of carbohydrate. Uh, if we were smart, uh, we would put on nutrition labels instead of grams of carbohydrate, we would translate that into teaspoons of sugar. That would be like drinking three teaspoons of sugar with every cup of milk that you drink. And so that sugar goes in, um, whether you're drinking skim or whole and what you don't get is the satisfying fat mm. that fills you up. So you can, you can have another cup of skim milk. It's effectively, I mean, there's protein in there, so you'd probably camp out at some point, but the, the whole milk is much more satisfying. But I think so intuitively, intuitively, most people would think milk is protein and fat, not realizing that it's loaded up with sugar as well. You'd be well. amazed how many people are just shocked when I tell them we got to get rid of your sugary beverages, including your milk. <laughs> hmm? Wow. I bet ice yeah. cream goes with that too. Uh, yeah, sorry. 
and, and you're in the dairy state, Dave. I know. Wow. I hate that. And I, I, I apologize. Some of our patients are dairy farmers. And I, I apologize at the outset and say, look, cheese is okay. Sour cream's okay. Whipped cream's okay. Uh, because those have almost no sugar in them. But um, let's, let's let the calves drink the milk. Uh, otherwise, let's make cheese or something else <laughs> yummy out of it. That's not. How about low low carb yogurt? Uh, if it's very low carb, people can get away with a little bit of that. But we yeah, we like the two gram per serving ones. Yeah, yeah, that would be a better option, mm-hmm. particularly if it's still got all the fat in there. Yes. Well, Dave, we're at the end of the show. This is your chance. Last time we asked if there was one thing you'd recommend for listeners. It was to remove sugary beverages from their diet. What's the next thing you're going to recommend? I'm going to recommend that people understand that eating fat does not make people fat. So we have to change our attitudes about fat generally. And of course, watch for trans fats, but they have to label that now. So read nutrition labels and look for trans fat. But fat is not the culprit. And uh, as so we've talked about that now over and over. Dave, you've been incredibly helpful and practical. Thanks for being with us again on Dr. Doctor. And we'll be planning another episode with you probably three months after this one. So God bless you. Keep up the good work. Same to you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor. We've just finished a very satiating conversation with Dr. (laughs) David Usher. Uh, And on that note, it's time for the answer to our medical trivia question. First of all, the only person that uses words like epitaph is a fathead. But uh, having said that, go ahead, Tom, with the answer to this week's trivia <laughs> question. Yeah, so fathead here is actually a truth uh, because the brain is made of a lot of fat. In fact, that's the question. What percent of the brain, after you drain out the water, what percent of the brain is fat? An astounding 60%, six zero over half of the brain is fat. Did you know that, Chris? I did not. It's remarkable. Um, But I have to say, you know, growing up in the South, a very popular dish when I was a kid camping was brains and eggs. No Brains from what? Cows? Uh, Pigs? Usually pigs. Yeah. It comes in little cans and you put it in scrambled eggs and uh, it made the eggs taste really good. But this would make sense. It's mostly fat. Canned brains. That's that's a new one for me, Chris. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. So, and we'll move away from that to the top three takeaways for this show, Chris. Yeah, another great episode. So great to have David Usher on. He's such a wealth uh, of knowledge. But I think, you know, the first one has to be eating fat doesn't make you fat, right? We need to do our, our duty and make sure our patients and listeners know that eating fat is not what makes you fat. Um, second, I loved the expression that he used when I was talking about it costs a lot to eat well. And he said, you can pay the farmer now or you can pay the doctor later. And yes. I think that really sums up so much wisdom um, just in that statement. And then I think the third takeaway for listeners is we've got to become label readers. Uh, we just do. We're lucky that the information is on there. And we need to read it. Read about carbs on on the protein. Um, excuse me, on the the food that you're the product you're buying. Read about protein. Read about fats. Is there corn oil or canola oil or high fructose corn syrup and whatever it is that you're using? And if there is, don't use it. Find a healthier alternative. Yes, and we're gonna uh, have him back in probably three months from when you're listening to this. We should have an episode on protein. So meats, nuts, other sources of protein. And, you know, what's the truth about it? What's what are myths? Uh, it's amazing how much in this area of food, uh, we've been sold a bill of goods that's actually not healthy for us. I love uh, the fact that the low fat diet myth is what led to our obesity epidemic. Who'd have known? Who'd have thought? Yeah. And, and we're not talking about a cosmetic problem. We're talking about all that goes with obesity, with staggering numbers of rates of heart disease and stroke and people's lives being being really damaged that didn't have to be because of misinformation about nutrition and food. And what I've noticed is that a, a diet higher in protein and fat really tastes good. You know, <laughs> I remember I was on a trip. I was studying for my original dermatology board exam and I was away studying. And we remember going looking for snacks and I wanted to find something with the least fat. 
It was also depressing. I came away with nothing because I thought, oh, and this was, you know, 25 years ago. I thought, I've got to have a low fat diet. And it was just, it was just awful. You feel guilty eating the high fat. Now I don't have the guilt or the weight. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we can leave with our listeners. I mean, this idea, it it really is beautiful that, that eating the things that God created for us to eat is good. It, It isn't bad. And we're made to feel good and to feel healthy. And we, we need to think about what we're putting into our bodies and take that seriously. Read labels, understand nutrition. Look at some of the sources that, uh, that Dave mentioned, the websites and some of the books. But this idea that food as toxin is something that I think we all need to get more comfortable with and eat better to live better. Well said, Chris. And on that note, we will thank you for listening to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning official radio program and podcast of the Catholic Medical Association. Please share this show with your friends and ask them to listen. And be sure to rate our show and review it because it helps other listeners find us. You can find all of our episodes on our website, drdoctor.org. Be sure to tune in next week for your appointment right here with Dr. Doctor. And be sure to check out our website for bonus helpful links and information in our post for each episode. Just click the latest at the top of the main page. This is Dr. Tom McGovern. And this is Dr. Chris Stroud. We're signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor is the official radio program of the Catholic Medical Association, whose members are dedicated to upholding the principles of the Catholic faith in the science and practice of medicine. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-hosts or the Catholic Medical Association. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. Tune in for new episodes every Friday and find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.